I was recently in Kenya on assignment and while there I reached out to the Chinese embassy uh, to ask for an interview with the ambassador and to my surprise uh, it was granted. So I spoke to uh, Ambassador Wu Pong uh, about pretty much uh, the main things that are happening uh, in this. This include trade with Kenya, relationship between the Chinese community uh, and Kenyans and much more. And then after the interview went out, um, the China Africa Project, uh, which is another podcast that I highly recommend. I listen to it. I'm a big fan. So they, they reached out to me and they're like, hey, Dickens, do you want to come talk to us about what you discussed with the Chinese ambassador? Well, guess what I said? Yes, of course I did. Um, so here's my conversation with Eric Bolander. Enjoy. The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Wits University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa-China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at africachinareporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander. Unfortunately, Kobus isn't able to join us today as he is traveling back from Europe, uh, but he'll be back with us again next time. But today I'm going to be talking about diplomatic interviews, and in particular, one with Chinese ambassadors. Uh, normally, when a journalist wants to interview an ambassador, it's actually a really straightforward affair. If I want to interview the American ambassador in Beijing or in Pretoria or in Nairobi, uh, it's almost transactional. You submit your request, they evaluate it, and generally speaking, if you're a legitimate journalist, uh, you'll get in. Same with most European, even Japanese. But with the Chinese, it's slightly different. In fact, it's very different. Getting an interview with an ambassador is next to impossible, even sometimes for the Chinese press. So it was notable uh, in the past few weeks when the BBC scored an interview with the relatively new Chinese ambassador to Nairobi, Wu Peng. And the journalist who did that was Dickens Zolewe, joining us on the line from Nairobi today, where uh, he is on the Africa desk for the BBC. Most of the times you're in London, right, Dickens? Yeah, yeah, most of the time times you're in London. Back home now, yeah. Well, it has taken us months and months and months to have you come on the show. I am so excited to finally have you uh, on it, in particular to talk about your interview with Wu Peng, and also to get a little bit of the insight of how it came about, and also the BBC's coverage of the Chinese in Africa. First, let's just kind of talk a little bit about uh, your background. You were a 2015 a uh, fellow at uh, Stanford University, a John S. Knight fellow. That is very prestigious. You're also the uh, host and producer of the Journalism Innovation in Africa podcast. And uh, so you do a lot in the journalism space. And uh, it's very exciting to have you. So thank you for taking the time. No, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, you know, as you know, I've, I've been a big fan uh, of you and, and Corbus, and I listen to pretty much every show. So, and, uh, you know, I'm glad to be finally making my debut. Well, you, you have a good reason. You got to sit down with Wu Peng. Uh, it's an honor that I don't think that I will ever have because uh, it, given the hurdles that you had to go through in order to get the interview, talk to us a little bit about uh, how long it took and what was involved in actually scoring this interview with the Chinese ambassador in Nairobi. So um, 
I mean, it was actually straightforward, Eric. Uh, I, actually, I was actually surprised at, uh, you know, how straightforward it was because, um, uh, you know, as, as you've just said uh, up at the top of the show, I mean, Nairobi, I, w- I was coming here for uh, a few weeks on assignment. And one of the stories that I really wanted to do was uh, obviously reach out to the Chinese ambassador uh, and see whether he can uh, talk to me about uh, pretty much what the local press has been covering, you know, the issues of... Uh, of debt, the issues uh, of, uh, you know, the Lamu coal power plant, um, uh, you know, the issues of a conflict uh, between uh, Chinese workers and Kenyans. So uh, I I have actually, I have a good friend uh, who gave me the right email. I put in my request an email. And uh, in, in a couple of days, uh, I got a, a reply back and it was pretty much straight forward. I think everything was pretty much done and dusted within a week, which surprised me. That uh, is, but obviously, you know, that is record. And, about that. you know, and the reason why I, I kind of set it up the way I did that it's so difficult and it's not even with ambassadors today, getting a professor, getting a company, any Chinese stakeholder to comment to uh, to the press is extraordinarily difficult. Uh, I think in some ways you were fortunate that you chose Wu Peng. And like Lin Songtian, who is the ambassador in Pretoria, they're part of a new generation of Chinese ambassadors, uh, particularly in Africa, who are much more extroverted, much less shy, very eager to engage the press. And now Lin Songtian, for example, is on social media. Uh, so it's interesting that you that you were able to to get that so quickly and so easily. So okay, well let's get let's get right into it since our time is very limited. And I know you got to get back to the to the news desk. What I thought was so interesting was the fact that you you didn't have any limits on the interview. Now, I've interviewed Chinese officials in the past, and I've had to submit my questions in advance. I've had to submit my topics in advance. Um, did you have to submit anything uh, in advance prior to you sitting down with Ambassador Wu? Well, I mean, that request was made, but uh, obviously, you know, I worked around the themes uh, which I was going to cover. Okay. So I obviously made it known uh, that there are areas of interest that I would want to speak to uh, the ambassador about. And actually, uh, you know, just to, uh, to mention this, so one of the questions I actually asked the ambassador uh, was, why he actually why he gave me the interview because i i was trying to find out is there some sort of uh, communication strategy behind um you know making it easier for people like myself to speak to the ambassador and you know he he said that oh actually um you know the chinese ambassadors have always been available he's lying i'm telling you he's lying <laughs> He, he gave an example of, uh, you know, the Chinese ambassador in London who has actually been available uh, to, yes. uh, to the BBC. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I pushed back saying that this, is, this sounds new to Africa. And he kind of admitted that, yes, uh, in Africa, there seems to be some sort of um, uh, newness to it. You know, he has actually, since he, um, uh, he started his, uh, um, his tour here in Kenya earlier this year, you know, he's been really... Uh, open to the media, speaking yeah. to the media, and uh, you know he was uh, welcoming to uh, uh, to me. And also, in you know, in, in, t- in terms of the, the, the questions, like I said, I mean, uh, the, his team asked for the questions. I proposed the themes which I would want to cover, and uh, you know, they did not. Uh, 
tell me not to ask uh, some of you know some of the uh, uh, you know some of the areas that I kind of highlighted. Yeah, I mean that in, in, in journalistically that is the right thing to do. Uh, I do not provide questions in advance to to subjects. I will like you provide the themes and here's the topics and the general areas that we want to discuss. So I think that was really uh, refreshing that they went ahead with the interview without knowing everything that you were going to say. Okay, let's get into it. I've got a couple sound bites. I want to give people a little bit of a flavor of, of your discussion. The full interview is going to come out on the BBC later. So this is kind of a tease here. Uh, on Twitter, I mean, you, you did not mince words. And you said, is China planning to take over Africa? And you started your interview, at least the, the short clip that was on the BBC, uh, by really going after one of the most sensitive subjects, and that's the debt trap diplomacy. Is China trying to entrap Africa in a debt as the United States and other countries accuse it? Let's take a listen to what Ambassador Wu Peng's response was. Quite the contrary, I think it's uh, through cooperation with China that many developing countries has emerged from the trap of underdevelopment or no development. China's funding to Kenya, for example, and other African countries is aimed at development. China always, of course, attached a high importance to the debt sustainability. Now, that's a very different, much more confident response from China on the debt trap narrative. We don't really hear the Chinese respond to it. So in some ways, at least just from the point of view of a debate and a discussion, it was refreshing to hear a Chinese response. What did you think of his answer? Yeah, I mean, it was, he was, uh, you know, kind of pushing back, and I think the the other part of uh, of that question uh, that kind of you know make it to the to broadcast was, uh, you know, I put it to him that the American ambassador to Kenya was kind of contrasting what the China model is compared to the American model, which according to the American ambassador, the uh, the uh, American model is essentially uh, pro Kenya, you know, employs Kenyans, is anti. Um, corruption, delivers on time, delivers quality. And, you know, he kind of uh, dismissed that. Um, I think there was, uh, you know, we, we do these interviews and uh, later on you, uh, uh, you know, you look back and uh, ask yourself, you know, did, did, I, did I actually get into, um, did I probe any further? And, uh, you know, I think it was interesting, you know, what he said about um, th- that China's engagement is all about uh, you know, helping uh, developing countries like Kenya uh, t- economically. So I think it was, you know, it it was a, it was a solid answer. But I think maybe there could there could have been, um, you know, a further probe on uh, maybe whether there was concern uh, from China about, uh, you know, Kenya's uh, ability to uh, to be able to pay, uh, the, you know, the money that it has uh, taken from uh, from uh, it has actually loaned uh, taken as loans from China. So for, for me, I think it was a, it was kind of a of, of a solid answer and also a rebuke, you know, kind of a, a pushback to the American narrative. Yeah, the American narrative led by Kyle McCarter, who's the ambassador in Nairobi and is a Trump appointee and very vocal critic of the Chinese and really contrasts everything. I mean, if the Chinese say, you know, X, McCarter will say Y. And if the Chinese say Y, then McCarter will say X. I mean, it's really they're they're polar opposites in many in many ways in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and can, can I just maybe add? I mean, one of the things that I also found, uh, you know, uh, just the whole experience of preparing for the interview, uh, and also how, you know, during the interview, you you kind of find that you probably not get the uh, get the, the Chinese ambassador, for example, to actually, you know, you 
tell you what the actual policy is, for example, because what happens is that there is this easy pivot that we are here doing whatever we are doing because it's the Kenyan government, for example, which wants us to do what, uh, you know, to implement these projects, which kind of puts you in a position where you probably want to hear from the Kenyan government, for example, uh, what is their policy? Uh, what are they signed with, for example, China? What what are the conditions? And so it's, it, you know, I feel like with these questions, as much as, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the ambassador uh, gave me the interview, I think there's a, there, come, there will come a time uh, where you pro- will probably be hitting the wall because unless we bring the Kenyans and the African partners into the conversation to actually know what their strategies are, what their policies are, what are their the deals are, um, then, you know, it will be much easier for China to constantly pivot to, uh, to you know, we are doing this because uh, the, the host government um, uh, is, is essentially, you know, we are kind of implementing the projects that the host government wants us to implement. Well, that brings us to our next topic, which is transparency. And this has been where one of the criticisms of the Chinese has been most notable. And interestingly, when people criticize the the Chinese for not being transparent in their dealings with, say, the Kenyan government over the Standard Gauge Railway or any of the deals that they've done, uh, none of the burden seems to fall on the Kenyan side. I mean, again, this is two parts in this deal. And it's interesting that you talked about the fact that we need to hear from the Kenyan side. And the Kenyans are a stand-in for any of the African governments. Uh, But I haven't seen uh, an African government uh, say, okay, here is our published uh, contract with the Chinese. This is what we're paying. This is what the deals are. These are the fees. This is all of that. This is all done in secret. And so I've never really understood why the burden was 100% on the Chinese, which, okay, we should hold them accountable for that. But it's interesting that you bring up the fact that we also need to hear from the Kenyan side. But let's get on to transparency because you, this is again, this is another one of the touch points in the China-Africa relationship that the Americans and that a lot of people, you know, really hit the Chinese on. And let's take a listen to what Ambassador Wu had to say on that. There are many Kenyans who are anxious uh, because they see uh, the government borrowing from, from China. And usually, whenever these uh, deals are made, they are not transparent. And therefore, they have this concern that there is this grand secret plan by China to take over Kenya. I clearly deny there are any possibility that China's rule long in, in some day will control any asset or size the any property of Kenya. So that was clearly in reference, your question I assume was in reference to the port of Mombasa and the, uh, the, in the contract that was revealed by the Auditor General that there was in the contract for the Standard Gauge Railway, uh, the, the port of Mombasa was put up as collateral. And everybody said, well, this is part of the debt trap narrative. And everybody said, well, see, if Kenya doesn't pay back its debt, it's going to lose those assets and China will seize them. Tell us more about what your thinking was on the question and also what you thought of his answer. I think I deliberately asked that question because, um, you know, as we say here uh, in Kenya, you know, that was a question from the uh, for the you know, the, the ordinary monainchi, which is basically, you know, your random uh, person on, on, on the street, because that's kind of what they're talking about, because what they see is, uh, you know, the, the government entering into deals 
and the Chinese involvement, which is, uh, you know, very uh, obvious uh, from the workers that they see uh, in the construction of uh, buildings in in, uh, in Nairobi and, and the railway. So people can see that there's some sort of change. So they, the kind of perception that there's some sort of takeover, uh, whether it's uh, based on, on fact or not, you know, people are talking about it. So I kind of deliberately framed that question uh, as a as, as the way it came out, uh, because that is what your you know your random Kenyan will probably be asking and and, and thinking. So um, I, I think his, his answer I found it surprisingly very forceful. Yeah, um, very straightforward. And very very straightforward. Very straightfor- yes, very straightforward. I, I, I mean, and, and and also you know he didn't mince his word. We are not controlling uh, and or planning to take over any uh, part of Kenya. So again, just going back to the point that I was making, that there is, you know, China obviously is concerned about its uh, uh, perception, but this perception can only be uh, cleared by issues of uh, transparency. Uh, and it looks like, uh, for me, uh, probably the best way to uh, to to kind of deal with these uh, situations uh, is to to make these deals uh, public. But obviously, there are two parties into the deals: there's the Kenyan government uh, and the Chinese. So it's kind of um, you know it's the, it's what it is, uh, unfortunately. But uh, you know, it was really good to hear how straightforward and how forceful he was in denying that there is a a grand secret secret plan. To so, take over uh, the country. If you were asking that question for the guy on the street, and and the guy on the street is entitled to be worried about this, and this is one of the the ways that I express this because it's that feeling that Kenya is once again losing control of its destiny, and Kenya lost control of its destiny under colonialism, and so the fears that it's coming back and we're going back to this, whether it's traditional colonialism or it's just this sense that you know. Somebody today, a 19-year-old today, they will be paying back the loans, their children will be paying back the loans, and their children will be paying back the loans for the standard gauge railway and for a lot of these infrastructure projects. Three generations. And that's very, very worrisome for a lot of people. And I'm not entirely sure that the, the tone of the ambassador and Foreign Minister Wang Yi are sensitive to that. It is this, you know, rebuke to the West, but not necessarily speaking to Kenyans. And I'm curious, do you think that the guy on the street who's going to listen to your interview, given that the BBC is still very popular in Kenya, what do you think he's going to take away from that answer? I think, I think uh, you know, I, I think there's, they're going to come, uh, you know, first of all, it, I think they were going to get a, a, you know, a good sense of what uh, the China's official point of view is uh, on different issues. Uh, but but importantly, you know, in matters debt, I think uh, again what the ambassador was was clearly saying throughout the interview that we are partners uh, uh, of of the Kenyan government, and therefore we work with them uh, in you know energy policies, in uh, infrast- in different infrastructure policy uh, projects as well, um, and we are only here at the invitation of uh, of the Kenyan government. So I think for me, it's it's one of those things that uh, what you probably, I don't know, I don't want to uh, speculate here, but I think what's going to happen uh, in this country, uh, probably in the next election, is that you're probably going to see the issue of, um, you know, foreign policy and even the issue of debt 
coming into uh, you know be, becoming like a, a main part of uh, uh, of the local uh, politics because even in the you know in t- we just had elections about two years ago but the issue of debt uh, was not front and center it was mentioned yes with by some fringe uh, uh, politicians but it, it was not front and center uh, of uh, the, the kind of the policies that divided the main political parties. So what you're going to to see, and especially now that, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of spending going into paying the loans rather than uh, going into the development. So you're going to have lots of questions and politicians will have to come with uh, with answers. And And I see a situation where they will now have to clearly lay out what the strategy is when it comes to dealing with China and other partners. What are we actually, what, what, what is Kenya, for example, paying to China and how much is owed? And what are the areas that are going to be uh, impacted in terms of development? So I think those conversations are going to get uh, intense. And I also see a situation where, uh, you know, the Chinese ambassador as well, uh, it's good that he's, you know, making himself available to the media. Then I can only see many more requests from the local yeah. press and even from international. Press I think you are uh, gonna. To yes, to I think the the press office and the yeah. embassy is going to be very busy after uh, after this interview <laughs> that you had with him. And it's exciting because I think there's been a demand for journalists to try and get Chinese sources on the record, corporate and governmental. And so to finally hear it is again very very refreshing. It's something that we definitely want to encourage. Uh, on the sense of transparency, and it's interesting you talk about the fact that the election is really going to make this uh, a key issue. Uh, Ambassador Wu said, and, and this is this to me was what stood out the most of the entire interview of the portion that I heard, was that Chinese loans are no different than loans from other countries. Let's take a listen. Let me put it this way. In the transparency issue, we try our best to keep transparency in according to common international practice. China is not unique. We are just uh, very similar with Japan, uh, Germany, US, UK, and other countries. Oh, I think Ambassador Kyle McCarter across town in uh, Nairobi will not agree with that at all. Um, I was kind of surprised he, he put himself out there saying that because he's on record now with the BBC at saying basically they have the same transparency levels that DFID, USAID, the Japanese government, which hold themselves to very, very high international standards. And the Chinese, I've never heard by from any stakeholder that they adhere to the same standards, except in things like the AIIB, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, they are trying to go with IMF standards. That really surprised me that he that he put himself on that level with the Germans and the Americans. Um, you know, wow. I mean, that that potentially, it seems to me, could come back to bite them. Well, I, I, th- I think what, what he was saying there, in fact, one of the questions that I I, I, I asked him, which didn't make the, the clip, was um, which kind of related was actually about avocados, because, as you know, uh, Kenya is uh, the only African country, became the first African country uh, this year to export avocados uh, to China. And my question to him was all about, you know, the, the, the stringent policies and the stringent, rather stringent standards that the Chinese, the Chinese have set on the um, Kenyan companies just means that only one company, as we speak, uh, is the one that has been allowed to access that market. And he was forceful in his reply to say that we have our interests, right? 
And I think his answer there as well about matters of transparency was all about China has its uh, has, has its interests, just like um, uh, the the other uh, Western countries, and therefore that's why he was pushing back. I think there is definitely a genuine a genuine um, um, you know concern and and pretty much pushback around. Yes, but the other you know we can easily access some of the um, some of the uh, the deals the other countries uh, have, have signed, for example, with Kenya. But and we can pretty much look at the step by step, you know, negotiations and all that. But you can't really say the same when it comes to China. But then again, just go, go, going back to what I was saying earlier, they will defer to the the host country in this case Kenya and say, you know, you probably need to talk to the the Kenyan government when it comes to some of these deals that you have. Which is about. which is actually fair. I mean, that is actually fair. I mean, that's a reasonable response to say that it is not just us; it's also the Kenyans. Uh, very quickly before we go, because I know you have to get back to work. Um, the most, I would say, the most passionate issue in the China-Kenya relationship has to do with some of these cultural tensions that exist. Um, the Kenyan press has been some of the best in Africa in covering. Uh, you know, the SGR deals, they've been covering a lot of these. Uh, there was a great investigation that happened earlier this year on abuse by Chinese managers on the Standard Gauge Railway. Um, there's just been a number of excellent reporting, and it has really inflamed passions, particularly on social media. Uh, and to the guy on the street, as you talked about, when you say the word China or Chinese or loans and things like that, it oftentimes can spark a very negative, hostile response. Uh, you really wanted to get to that, and so you asked him straight up. And again, I just loved how direct you were. Let's take a listen about when you address cultural issues. There have been reported instances, several instances uh, of conflict between mm-hmm. Kenyans and uh, Chinese uh, uh, workers, especially. I'm wondering what is China doing to help improve relationship between Kenyans uh, and Chinese living in Kenya. Oh, I, I do not agree with that uh, if there are any conflict, okay? According to my knowledge, most Kenya will come Chinese with open arms. I, I know there are some problems. I cannot deny it. Uh, I think they may be isolated cases. Were you happy with that answer? I I would have wanted to, to hear more actually uh, about him. I mean, the, we we've had cases of um, you know uh, racist uh, uh, comments, and in, in fact, even one uh, in one case, there was one uh, Chinese worker who racially uh, targeted the, the president of Kenya. Um, th- there is there is concern, and you see, the thing is. Uh, there are many Kenyans who feel like, uh, you know, like the ambassador says, it's true that many Kenyans have uh, welcomed uh, Ch- Chinese workers. And, you know, whenever they hear these cases, uh, you know, the, um, the kind of uh, corporal punishment, for example, uh, you know, worker, Kenyan workers being bitten by, um, uh, you know, the Chinese, the Chinese managers who, who work in the SGR or they see the cases like the one I've just mentioned about uh, the racial attack targeting the president and other Kenyans, you know, they, they feel like, uh, uh, you know, they, they feel like the, you know, their genuine welcome and uh, uh, is actually being abused. And 
so, so they, they are concerned. I actually was surprised that the ambassador was uh, said that you know Kenyan laws uh, are enough to deal to deal with these uh, with these issues. Uh, usually, you find that uh, you know I actually had expected him to to be a bit defensive on uh, on the whole thing. Uh, but 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 I did find it interesting that you know he was basically talking up the uh, the local justice system to be able to uh, uh, to deal with such issues and he did not uh, again surprisingly uh, as well did, did not uh, you know call out for foul play for uh, this, the number of Chinese who have uh, uh, been arrested or have been deported because of uh, doing illegal things in the country. I, I tend to agree with him in the sense that I do think there are a lot of isolated incidents in, instances here that do on social media get magnified. Uh, these types of cross-cultural you know, interactions are, are complicated. And if we looked at the Kenyan community in New York, and if we would find probably similar situations, if we looked at the Ethiopian community in Atlanta, we will find similar situations. You know in London that things don't go smoothly either with all these cross-cultural Thanks. issues. So I, when, whenever we get into these arguments with people about, well, the Chinese are abusive towards Kenyans, uh, they'll pick out the racist restaurant. They'll pick out, as you talked about, the, the racist video towards the president, towards Kenyatta. And, and all of those are legitimate in terms of those people were terrible. They were awful. I don't defend anything that they did. But considering the size, scale, and breadth of the Chinese engagement in Africa, and in Kenya in particular, it's bound to happen that they're going to be jerks who do bad things, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, um, I, I think, you know, just maybe just, uh, you know, my reflection in, in, in the whole interview uh, is, is just something that I think you guys have been talking about a lot uh, in the show, and that is uh, African agency. Yeah. Um, and I, I think when it comes to, you know, China in Africa, uh, I think we need to. I mean, for me, for me as an example, as an example, as a, as a journalist, uh, I see there is uh, definitely a need uh, to, to to look back in Africa, you know, to to spend a lot of time in looking at how the continent is actually engaging with uh, with China, um, because you know, and especially it's kind of a lesson, really, because I felt that. I could only go so far with my questioning because it was so easy, uh, easy uh, for the uh, ambassador to defer to uh, you know, hey, we are work, we are uh, you know, we are just a partner, uh, and uh, you know, one of the questions we've not talked about was the um, the Lamu coal power plant, uh, which was controversial. Uh, it's now suspended because a tribunal found that uh, you know the licensing was uh, not awarded uh, uh, properly, and. You know, it was easy for uh, for me to, uh, you know, I could easily bring up the question about, you know, environmental concerns and uh, and and all this. But you know, it was so easy for, as well for the ambassador to defer that. You know, we are doing this in partnership with the Kenyan government. So, and definitely. To, so that's I think. But, but to be all, fair, you know, kind of the lesson I got from yeah, that. Yeah, but to be fair on Lamu, I mean, that was a great example here because one to two weeks after. The tribunal came out with the, with its decision. Uh, Ambassador Wu welcomed uh, Decolonize and Omar El Mawi, who was one of the lead plaintiffs against the Chinese-funded uh, coal power plant. And the Chinese were only funding 1.2 out of the $2 billion. So that, to be sure, they're not paying for all of it. 
But he invited them to the embassy, took a picture with them. And at the same week, Kyle McCarter, the U.S. ambassador to Nairobi, uh, criticized the tribunal and said, coal is the greatest thing. And the tribunal made a big mistake. And it just seems like who was on the right side of public opinion there? And I thought Ambassador Wu played that one beautifully. Uh, and it was just, and again, I think it highlights the fact that Ambassador Wu, like Ambassador Lin Songtian, are a new generation of Chinese ambassadors. And I think your interview really highlighted that. And it was very, very interesting. I think this in some way, in so many ways, is a landmark interview. We have not seen the BBC sit down with Chinese ambassadors for a discussion like this. So I think you should be very proud of what you accomplished. I hope it's not going to be the last time that you get a chance to speak with a Chinese ambassador because it was very important for the rest of us to have that insight. Uh, when can we expect, do you think, some time to see or hear the whole interview with Ambassador Wu? So um, I'm, I'm going to uh, have a chat with, uh, uh, with, with these people. And, uh, you know, once I get the, the, the right approval, I mean, they are definitely a party in this. Um, I, you know, I'm hopefully... You know, as as soon as I get it, definitely it will be out there. Um, uh, it it was a really good interview, and you know, we, uh, you know, some of the things that we obviously didn't uh, talk about here um, was uh, you know the whole uh, expressway uh, from uh, Nairobi to to Mombasa and whether uh, you know China is is interested as local media are, are reporting. Um, he obviously denied that uh, China is interested in um, rivaling America in that project. So, yeah, so, and, you know, it, it was, I asked him also about China aid and whether there, there is a, a plan to scale up aid operations and pretty much almost at the level of uh, trade. Uh, and he said, you know, that that's something that uh, China is thinking about as well. So uh, I, I hope that I'll get the right approvals to hopefully release the full interview because I think it's uh, it was a really... Uh, you know, it gives us some good insight about uh, what we discussed. And it should be noted that not only were you satisfied with the interview, but the embassy was satisfied as well. They were really putting out on their social media channels, on Twitter and Facebook, pictures of you and the ambassador sitting together. Uh, they even put a, uh, a transcript uh, on Twitter. They had a whole thread on Twitter of the Q&A, which I thought was really interesting as well, because that, again, is a level of openness that we haven't really seen from Chinese embassies uh, in Africa over the years. So, again, I don't know if you should be happy about that, that you're now part of Chinese propaganda, but maybe it's just a notch in the belt of your journalism career now that you're part of the uh, – you're being used in Chinese propaganda. So, Dickens, thank you so much for joining us. This was really a pleasure. We hope that we can have you back again uh, You know, as you and the BBC continue to cover China-Africa stories. It's always very interesting for us on the outside looking in – to, to get to know the journalists behind the stories a little bit better. If people want to follow you and engage with you, what's the best way for them to stay in touch? Well, uh, for, first of all, I, j just to say that, you know, it, it was, uh, I, I, you know, we were putting the, the questions, uh, I, uh, you know, the hard questions uh, as well to him. So I, I feel generally, I feel it was a fair interview. So if people want to reach out to me, I'm mostly on Twitter, uh, so at Dickens Olewe uh, is uh, my Twitter handle. Uh, and if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well, Dickens Olewe uh, is my full name. And uh, yeah, just definitely reach those are pretty much the platforms where uh, I'm usually at. And fantastic. And Dickens will feature all the short, the short version of the interview 
and also we'll have the longer version when it comes out on our website. Uh, we did some analysis of Dickens' interview in our daily newsletter that goes out. If you want to subscribe to that, which we think that the BBC Africa desk should be subscribing to the newsletter, hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod, go ahead to chinaafricaproject.com slash subscribe. And Dickens will even throw in a free month for you if you uh, if you guys subscribe. Oh, but we oh, have, wow. but part of it for That's journalists, listen, there we go. Uh, <laughs> but we have this great thing, uh, you know, called the China Africa Experts Network. And this is something for you that would be amazing. It's basically young African professionals and Chinese professionals, this directory of activists, journalists, uh, corporate folks, analysts, everybody's there. So if you're looking to get in touch with different people in the space, the China Africa Project is the place to go. So Cobus will be back next week with us. Until then, I'm Eric Olander. Thank you so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Gwobas at Stadinsky or Eric at E. Olander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China and Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com. <laughs>